Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And today, everybody, we have Seiji Lindstrom. He's been a long time high nooner. And as I detail in, in the kind of preamble of this episode, it's such a great look into the reality of somebody who's stuck with high noon for any length of time. Because I've interviewed people at the start of their journey or years into their journey, and it looks like once you reach stable footing, then that's it. You're just, you are just going to be okay indefinitely. But in reality, for some people, they have really good times, and those really good times are followed by really difficult dark times. So the high noon way isn't being perf isn't about being perfect or being happy all the time. I know in 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 our social media world, there's this idea that's planted in our heads that life is about being happy all the time. That's nonsense. That's that there's no challenge in that. We do need to face darkness from time to times when it pops up, and life can be confusing. It can be a consortium of things. And so the high noon way isn't about having perfect happy days all the time. It's about facing everything that comes your way with the five virtues. And Seiji is a perfect example of that. We talk about how he lost his father to a heart attack suddenly out of nowhere and how he dealt with that and his journey from beginning to now in sexual integrity and how much it has fluctuated. But he's come out on top. So I think it's a really valuable episode to understand how up and down a journey can be and how it's always worth the effort. So let's get into it. All right, everybody. Welcome. Uh, we have a special guest all the way from the Midwest, the very best. And this is cool. Okay. So when I was thinking about why this podcast would be particularly relevant, because it's always good to hear somebody's story regardless, right? Um, but Seiji, you are interesting because you represent a group of people that we've seen in High Noon who are a bright shining light, but then go through some difficult stuff and maybe, you know, take a break. And then come back with a new energy, right? And this is, ah, uh, man, like what shame does to us is shame is such a son of a gun because you can do really well. And, you know, imagine you have a hundred great days in your sexual integrity and then you have one bad day. And then what your shame tells you is those hundred days don't count for anything. This is the real you. You suck, right? And then... If that voice is strong enough and loud enough, and if you don't have a counterbalance, like somebody else in your life to invalidate that voice, then it's very easy to just believe it. And then all of a sudden you've done three plus months of great work that somehow you sh your shame convinces you to flush down the toilet. And so, you know, I wanna get into that because it's actually quite common in recovery of anything, health, mental health, spiritual health, emotional health, it's a roller coaster ride, especially in, you know, the early stages of recovery, the first year, two, whatever, till you were really on stable ground. And people don't recognize that. So I wanted to unpack that with you um, today because you 
I haven't even really spent time with you, to be honest, right? Right. Um, no. You were me. You were me for a while. It, uh, there was a tour that I didn't go on, and you just replaced me. And I realized how replaceable <laughs> I truly <laughs> am. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And so, um, how? Okay, let's let's go back to that. For anybody who doesn't know you, uh, mm. how were you introduced to High Noon, and then? How did you wind up in Southeast Asia speaking on Hainun's behalf? Yeah, let's let's start with that. All right. So yeah, I'm Seiji Lindstrom. I'm from Ohio, born and raised in Cleveland. I'm living in Columbus now. Uh, yeah. So I was introduced to Hainun one year into GPA. So during the summer break of GPA, I was.、Um, I was introduced by one of my best friends,、uh, same community,、um, to High Noon, and it's funny. Actually, I think that was the first time I talked to you too, Andrew,、uh, because、mm. he. So my best friend, he、uh, mentioned about how he's part of this group, and it's like checking up with sexual integrity and and doing these things、um, with Uncle Dave,、mm. and I said, yeah, let's do it. But it was already like halfway through the quarter or something,、um, and I had just joined Uncle Dave's group, just、uh, kind of out of the blue, and then talked to you about it after the quarter was over. It's like, oh man, Uncle Dave's breaking the rules. <laughs> like, CEO, we had to fire him.、Uh, I remember that.、Group. Anyway,、um, but that was my first group.、Um, so summer vacation after one year of GPA,、hmm. and. You know, going back on GPA, I kind of took a break, but High Noon was always like there in the back of my mind. Like this exists, and this is going to be a part of my life.、Um, nice. Kind of from the beginning is how I felt.、Um, yeah. And what what does that mean? This like High Noon because Sammy's so cool, and you just want to be around him, or this way of life? Like what what is the this that you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, it's the state of living,、um, like being、mm. open and honest and vulnerable. You know, like with the virtues of like receiving grace. Like, I mean, you know, that's. In, but during the calls, it's a weekly experience, <laughs> and、mm. I wanted it to be more than just a weekly experience, and something you can, I can experience every day. Um, so, yeah, that that was this this <laughs> this was that. Got it. So, yeah, experiencing on like being honest with someone, more than I had ever really been honest. And I consider myself a pretty. An open and vulnerable guy, but、mm-hmm. there's always like these one or two things I would I wouldn't normally share with just people on the street. So,、um, yeah, and yeah, my journey was,、um, you know, through my second year of GPA. I mean, I, I felt like a, a new person, and just being the way that I am, like I was, I was really solid in my second year because、um, I think one of the Few things I didn't want to report to my commander was that I slipped up and watched porn, or masturbated.、Uh, I think that was like not a fear, but something that drove me.、Um, I think that was like the first stage of like not necessarily living in high noon, but like really learning how to like see how detrimental that is to my spirit.、Um, yeah, but. Yeah, halfway through the my second year, or two thirds through,、um, COVID nineteen hit. We were sent back home, 
and it was a very different mm. time. Um, yeah, so that that was when it got pretty challenging in terms of like sexual integrity, just being at home, being comfortable, being um, alone, <laughs> um, and very stressed. Mm. So yeah, and then let's see. Um, after the the GPA year was over and I graduated, I got I reconnected with like high noon, high noon staff with Uncle Dave, um, and started being part of a group again. Um, and it was kind of like on and off like that um, through that time. And then I, I did like roughly a year and a half of CARP in Las Vegas, um, and I experienced a, a real closeness with a brother there. Um, that. Yeah, I mean, every day we would check in with each other. We would share honestly, and we would like that was the experience of high noon, like being in consistent high noon for longer than a few months, like at at one, like being yeah in the same high noons, and it was just an amazing experience. And like I could remember clearly how easy it was to shut down the temptation or urge, or like see how clearly like being on my phone for an extended period of time would leave me feeling bad. So, yeah, my awareness was going up through that time,、um, and then there was a carp workshop that happened, or was going to happen at least at the time. And Uncle Dave reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to give my testimony at this carp workshop. And that、mm. was the first time I was going to ever share my public shame or、uh, share my shame publicly. Um, and this wasn't <laughs> just like that. <laughs> this was it. It was really scary because it wasn't just like a group of people. Like I knew them; they were my 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 first years, and that, that I would take care of on GPA, and you know the people that I worked with in CARP. Like these were people that you know I, I had some type of relationship with, either acquaintance or closeness,、um, mm-hmm. to like friends. To yeah. Anyway, so. It was really scary,、um, and Benji spoke at that、um, like mini workshop at the Carp,、huh? like mini high noon segment at the Carp workshop.、Um, and then, yeah, I was one of two, yeah, one of two people who gave their testimony, and yeah, it was、uh, it was terrifying. It was exhilarating, and it was kind of the start of a, a new chapter, I guess, in my life. Because after that. After sharing my testimony, Uncle Dave reached out to me again, kind of asked me how it was, and then invited me to go on tour with him, Aunt Mitsue, and Sammy. So, yeah, that was super exciting.、And、that's kind of at that point in time what, what's been happening. And then you went to Philippines, Malaysia. Thailand? No,、Something、not Thailand.、Like uh, okay. Yeah, South Korea, mainly to meet up with a bunch of leaders because the translations for Core of the Universe, the book,、um, were like completed at that point, and、hmm. huge, you know, giving giving it out, trying to make it more readily available to each church in this country. So, yeah, South Korea, Malaysia, and the Philippines for about a month. Sweet. A week in each place. Yeah, I finally got to go to Malaysia a couple months ago, 
um, to speak. And they were all like, oh, do you know Seiji? And I was like, yo, I'm the boss here. What do you mean, do I know? Does Seiji know me? And I'm just kidding. It's you laid the groundwork. It was hilarious that they knew you so, so well. <laughs> you left an indelible mark on on them, on that community. So, so that's wild. So straight from like one thing to the next, like uh, yeah. you join a group, you experience freedom, liberation, you have this wonderful newfound spirit for fundraising or whatever in GPA. And then GPA gets canceled by COVID. And then you end up struggling again. And then later you go to a workshop and you give your testimony. And then later, right after, Uncle Dave raptures you to Southeast Asia. Um, so at that point, your sexual integrity is better. Like you bounce back after COVID. Yeah. Um, after COVID was my, my years in CARP or my year and a half in CARP. Okay. So the tour happened at the end of 2022 um, and COVID 2020. So about two years, I mean, yeah, it, depending on like living in high noon was, you know, it got hard. It got ups and downs. There were many ups and downs. General, yeah. general trend was upward. Uh, there's, you know, just as you guys talk about, like, growth isn't linear. I keep mm. hearing that. It's kind of annoying, but it's so true. And, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I would experience these, you know, significant lows um, where it would feel like, I could, like I'd have a good streak or I'd have a good, like, right. I mean, as you said earlier, like, a good 100 days and then, like, I would slip and then it would get to the point where, like, I would just fall right back to my bad habits um, yeah, and like kind of seclude myself and almost had to be pulled out by my accountability partner. Um, Wild. So yeah, it was like that up and down for a pretty long time. Um, so that's kind of catching people up for the kind of the, that's the, a new hope. I don't know. That's a star Wars <laughs> reference. <laughs> Um, but then, you know, after all this stuff, it would seem right. If you were, uh, if you were new to the game of sexual integrity, it was like, oh, okay, that's where the story ends happily ever after Seiji reclaimed his sexual integrity. Uh, he went on tour with high noon. So that's like the pinnacle of life on earth, obviously. And so he just needs to coast until death. But in fact, there's more twists and turns to this story. And that's kind of when I was asking you what you, what you wanted to talk about in this podcast, uh, there's some deep stuff that you went through actually after that, that caused you to go to places you haven't been before psychologically and emotionally. Yeah. Huh. So <laughs> 2023 was the year for me to I mean, experience that I uh, I was actually working for Uncle Dave at his crab com crab business mm -hmm. in um, from like December uh, onto January not very long and yeah I, I had wanted to stay there longer um, but at on January 28th 
uh, I got a call from my brother about the heart attack that my dad was experiencing and going through. And immediately it was very scary. I was in the break room uh, and we were just having lunch. Uh, and then I, I saw that I got a call from my brother and I missed the call, but I listened to his message and it was just about my dad's situation. And like, you know, at that moment, like, well, you know, I, I was far away from home. I couldn't do anything. And like, I just squatted and I was crying because it was just so overwhelming. Um, yeah, it was the way that my brother was like, you know, cause he was quite unsure of the situation. He wasn't like with my dad. He was just, you know, in the same town helping my parents move. Uh, and then my dad was taken to the hospital while my brother was finishing up the move. So um, he was also unsure of the situation, just hearing things here and there. Um, but yeah, um, so I, I immediately flew home to be with my dad. And I think from that point of like uncertainty, a lot of fear, um, like I think there was one overwhelming feeling that I had in my heart and my mind and my soul, like every part of me I felt it was, was like almost the most determined I've ever been in my life. Um, like the, the phrase, like I promise like to my dad and like the name of God and your parents that I want to be the man that you raised me to be. Like no matter what happened at that point, we didn't know he was going to pass away. And it was just a, a you know, bad situation. We don't know what was going, to, going on. Um, so overwhelmingly, I was just like feeling like absolute determination to be, to be like, yeah, the man that my dad raised me to be. So my dad is an sure. incredible man. Um, and I have so much respect for him. Of course, he had a shortcoming, um, but as all people do. But I think like my my overwhelming respect for him came from how he when he was raised by his dad. Uh, it was a very hard situation. I mean, he, my dad was beat for the littlest things, and um, yeah, as soon as he turned eighteen, he retaliated against his dad and left the house. Um, and that was the type of relationship my dad had with his. But, when like looking back on my childhood looking back on my siblings childhood my dad never ever raised his hand against us um i wasn't born at the time but apparently there's one time my dad had to spank my oldest brother when they were little and he he vowed like my mom remembers how strongly he vowed never to do that ever again and mm -hmm. so he would raise his voice he had a temper but to to change like the course of lineage and the patterns of of generations to mm. to do that like it's just so incredible to me yeah and you know the, i really feel the only way he could do that was because of how awesome of a man he was how how he met true parents and discovered like god's deep love he's a very sensitive guy as well um mm -hmm. and so yeah the the feeling that i had when i was coming home and you know seeing him um it was just yeah like, i i want to be the man that my dad raised me to be hmm. 
Um, and I mean, a loss is loss. You know, I, I didn't just immediately completely change my life. Uh, in fact, it was a really hard few months after my dad passed away from me. Um, because here I am with, you know, that determination, that promise, I really felt, I really felt it. Um, but looking back, at, back on it now, it was a huge pressure that I put on myself. Um, and almost expecting myself to achieve that status, like, right away. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was when, like, I had hit a pretty much all-time low in, in my life. Um, really? Yeah, um, I mean, oh, go ahead. Well, because obviously there's the processing of all the emotions from your dad's passing, mm -hmm. but then did making that determination just push you down further? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah. Like that pressure just was yeah. too much? It broke you? I think there's a there's two ways I could have you know applied that determination. I feel like the way that I was, it was just such an intense period of time in my life that the emotions were just as intense. Mm. That determination was yeah, so strong. And like, I need to do this now to the point where like, if I didn't do it now, if I couldn't do it now, I'm a failure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Versus, you know, allowing me to push to grow to that. I expected that on myself right away. And yeah. I felt like a failure because I couldn't achieve it right away. So, yeah, I mean, you know, digesting the loss of my dad and on top of that feeling of being a failure, um, it was very difficult in terms of like, like everything, high noon, sexual integrity, um, like just trying to be happy. Like it was so hard. <laughs> um, yeah. And I wasn't talking to anyone either. Which was probably one of the worst things I could have done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, after after about a month and a half or so, two months, um, a friend had reached out to me, kind of out of the blue, and asked me how I was doing. And it meant a lot. Um, because then I, I was able to talk about how I was doing. And... Yeah, like, anyway, this person, he, I love him a lot. And so he talked to me and kind of gave me a, uh, a goal to go to Ocean Challenge. Mm. Uh, um, and that was actually really the best idea that they could have given me. Like, just to have something to work for. Like, sure. Like, I had a job and I wasn't, like, trying to get anything. It was leaving me feeling unfulfilled. But... Shit. to like have something to raise money for because ocean challenge is so expensive um <laughs> to yeah to push myself towards something and look forward to something gave me a huge boost um and then that's when i also uh said yes to robert to facilitate a group as well uh granted like i wasn't in the best spot to facilitate but like I, I knew that putting myself in a position to like be in a little bit of responsibility would also help and then get more connected to high noon again. So that kind of all happened at the same time, like finding the goal to go to ocean challenge and become a facilitator for my first time. 
it was very good for me. And、mm. I knew my mood elevating, and I could see how like, I was getting more connected to, to spirituality and to just my and more in touch with my emotions because I wasn't letting them dominate me the whole time.、Mm. Um, well, can I just、yeah. stop? And、mm-hmm. this is a.、Uh... I don't want to be that guy, but I am that guy. You know, the idea of a North Star goal is is to be able to have something that you genuinely want to exist so badly that you're willing to sacrifice time, energy, and effort. But it doesn't, at the end of the day, feel necessarily like a sacrifice because it, you want it, right? So,、um, but what it does is it gives you a forum. To pour yourself into it gives you like a cup to hold your potential, and you you're investing yourself into building this into something that at the end of a time period you can say I did this I made this and it sounds like the ocean challenge was like that for you is that it was a clear you could see its its value because you wanted to do something you wanted something to change you wanted some experience to kind of. Shift something in your life. You probably didn't really know what it was that you're looking for. It just seemed like an appealing thing to do. That was like you know a goal, and that goal allowed you to save up money, to also focus your energy and attention, and not squander it, feeling lost, feeling like you're going somewhere, and that somewhere. You don't know what's after that. It's not like okay, I'm gonna go to Ocean Challenge and then I'm gonna, you know, know exactly what happens next. It's like I want to go to Ocean Challenge,、yeah. and that in and of itself brought out a lot in you, and it helped you to focus a lot of your energy that was, you know, being squandered by feeling like you're floating aimlessly and suffering in your own juices, right? Because you just sitting around is the worst thing that humans can do because there's nothing. There's nothing, no give and take happening. It's just kind of,、uh, but we end up doing that if we don't have somewhere to go, you know.、Um, so it sounds like, it, you know, this simple thing, like your friend challenging you to go to the ocean challenge, was life changing. And it wasn't necessarily ocean challenge. Shout out to ocean challenge, right? Nothing against you, but it wasn't necessarily that. It could have been something else. It could have been going to Champion. It could have been a, some stuff, right? But. That was it, and it made enough sense to you that you were like, "I want to really do this," and that helped you in a sense. It sounds like it helped you to pour a lot of that energy of becoming the man that you felt you wanted to become for your dad. It helped you to tap into that energy and feel what it's like to be successful. Something like that. Hey, just a quick interruption to tell you about the 40-day High Noon Challenge. If you're trying to find a way to start living a High Noon life today with no shadows and create a radiant blessing, then this simple challenge is for you. We will send you daily lessons from our team that will keep you motivated on your journey. It's totally free, guys, and you'll get constant content directly to you. Just sign up today at highnoon.org/challenge. Andrew, you just have this way of words and way of speaking. <laughs> to like summarize and frame it in like such a beautiful way.、Uh, okay, that the the second half of that sentence could have gone either way. You have this way of speaking <laughs> that makes me want to kill you. I've I've had that before too.、So. Oh man.、Yeah. Um, so, well, I'm just trying to understand because there's a lot to unpack, and for、yeah. you know, to to be honest, most people your age don't 
don't experience that level of loss, you know, like, um, or I, I don't know what the average age that somebody experiences like real hardship, like losing a parent or something happens, but it's, it's not something that you can relate to until you go through it. And so you're kind of in uncharted waters. And then I just want to help people understand, first of all, what you're going through in a way that I can't because I haven't been through it myself. So I'm just reflecting back what I hear, but also that it mirrors many other things, right? Like when you're feeling lost and aimless, you need something to strive towards and it can be something substantial and and that you can put in a calendar like an event or a workshop or something, but it could also just be something else. It could be like, I really want to learn this skill or I really want this new job or whatever that makes us reach deep down and see a side of us that we forgot existed, which is really powerful and, and stuff like that. And not only that, but it takes you away from focusing on all the misery that you could be focusing on, but is not helping you necessarily. Absolutely. So that was Ocean Challenge for me, my North Star goal. Mm. Um, yeah. And what can you can you give me your understanding of why why that that helped you? That helped to facilitate this. Like somehow you made it mean something to where because other people might their friend might say, "Hey, you should go to this workshop," and they'd be like don't you understand I'm sad and they just want to focus on their sadness. Right. But I'm sure you felt that tug as well. Like, don't like I want to, but I also want to stay here in my sadness. Right. I know you're inviting me to go beyond the sadness, but I, I also want to stay here in the sadness because it's familiar and I'm steeped in it right now. So what helped you to kind of actually make that shift and to choose to actually get out of that sadness or not, like you're running away from it, but like evolve out of it into some other state. What, what gave you that allowance? Yeah. Well, first, this wasn't my first thought or first suggestion to going ocean challenge. So that helped. Ah, um, okay. it wasn't the first attempt, um, to try to get me to go, um, in that period of time, mm -hmm. but it was like the strongest one for sure. Uh, ocean challenge has always been like in the back of my mind. But this seemed hmm. like the time to be able to go. But, I mean, yeah, this was like, this isn't my first rodeo in terms of trying to get out of sadness. Definitely the biggest one, but not, not my first time of wallowing in sadness and guilt and shame and being lost. And then someone kind of pulling, you know, putting their hand in front of me. Like showing me something better or something, you know, it can, it could be better on my first time. Um, yeah, I have, I had quite a few experiences like that. I did the Spartan program with Benji too. And it's one of the big things is to like almost tra training to get yourself out of that situation mm. because wallowing in sadness for so long can, gets tiring actually. So, yeah. I just want to stop there too and, and just kind of make sure that I'm, I'm hearing that like by the time you were invited to Ocean Challenge and accepted that challenge, not just going there, but really going there, um, you had been doing a lot of little things on the way. So it wasn't just, uh, that's an important point because for a lot of people, they might 
be wishing for a miracle, right? Somebody who's stuck in sadness. They're hoping there's one thing that will catapult them to a different stratosphere. But instead, what you're saying is that your ability to say yes, like a full yes, to going to Ocean Challenge was on the foundation of doing small things like the Spartan group with Benji and, and other different things. Yeah. Okay. And what do you think the process was that you were going through? If you can imagine like um, you're sad, but you, you keep on doing these little things. What are those little things doing for you? Um, do you feel like giving you confidence or helping you to stop focusing all of your energy on the sadness? Or what, what are they offering you, these things? Those little moments of effort. Yeah. Like practice, it's like building a muscle. I mean, you know, talking a little bit about like building the like, uh, the virtue muscles or like the high new virtue muscles. I think you've mentioned that before. I've definitely heard that before. So yeah, I mean, you know, with all exercises, you have to progress progressively yeah. overload. And you know, if you just start big or hope for or wait for something. I've learned, you know, just wait, it's playing a waiting game. You don't really get anything like waiting for this moment or waiting for that opportunity. You know, you really have to chase it and you can't just start like going, you know, full throttle in terms of like trying to completely change your life all at once. And it really starts small sure. and it starts little by little. And in my case, I wanted to, yeah, like not, I mean, all the effort that I've had done in the past like, definitely hasn't gone to waste. Like that muscle memory in terms of using the experiences that I've had of low, being low and and getting tired of it and putting my, and getting myself out of it. Um, and then especially seeing an opportunity and taking it, not just like, you hoping the opportunity does something for me, but using the opportunity when it comes hmm. has allowed me to better recognize the opportunities that come. Um, yeah, and use them. That's great, great, great point for everybody out there. You know that. Absolutely. If you expect, especially when anybody first joins Ascend, they think that it's just a matter of joining a group and putting in, you know, maybe three months and then all their problems go away. Um, that, yeah, if you squat a thousand pounds on your first go, you're going to pop your knees and break your back. <laughs> you know, you're just going to ruin your body. And if you just sit there and wonder what it's like, to squat a huge amount of weight, let's say a thousand pounds, nothing changes, right? It's the progression of adding more weight and more weight and allowing your muscles to go through the ability to tear and grow back stronger. And so, yeah, yeah that's, that's a huge one again, because your situation isn't necessarily hundred percent unique to you in terms of like losing, losing a, a parent in such a tragic and sudden way. But we've all experienced pain in some way, shape or form. And it's very easy to dwell in that 
it's important to process it, right? To to acknowledge sadness and, and all this, but yeah, um, to also let it be processed naturally and to evolve beyond that sadness is a matter of doing the work every day, every day, every day, every day. Um, and so, did you? So you got to the ocean challenge? I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I got there. <laughs> yes. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I got there. And I was like, "All right, <laughs> what, what, what's happening now? <laughs> like, what does God have in store for me?" Um, hmm. Did you I have mean, high hopes, or did you just you're so busy getting there that you didn't even really think about what happens once you get there? Yeah, definitely. The second one uh, on the plane ride to Alaska, I was like, "All right, what should I do? Like, what are my goals? What am I? What am I expecting out of this?" Hmm. Um, and I mean, that goes in this whole whole thing. Um, yeah, I think there's three main lessons from Ocean Challenge, like the things that I take away and I want to apply for the rest of my life. Um, Give us like first is like a. A lot of times, you have your own expectations, and God also has His plan. And sometimes they match up, sometimes they don't. And for the expectations that I had, uh, did not match with God's think, plan for me. Um, it was much bigger than that. So Ocean Challenge is known for, I mean, being an Ocean Challenge for fishing, but like having a competition, like a fishing competition. And um, yeah, I learned that with fishing, you are completely out of control. Zero. No, the only thing you can do is put your line in the water. Maybe have a lure on it. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think it helps. Like you can help your chances and you can lower your chances. But ultimately, you can put your line in the water and hope for and take it a little bit. Hope for the best. Mm. You know, hope, hope for that king salmon or something. Um, and yeah, I think it was symbolic for me because I, I mean, as much as I want to be in control of my, like everything around me, like the only thing I am actually in control of is, you know, putting my line in the water, so to speak, you know, doing the things that I can do to grow or to, to take away from a situation or an experiment experience either positively or negatively. To learn from it or to wallow in sadness, that's kind of like what it means to me to put my line in the water. Mm. Um, but yeah, so with God's plan during the competition, I like wanted to invest one hundred percent, and again, being in as control as I can be, like I just wanted to put my line in the water as soon as possible and and do it, and just like really focus and pray and like. Um, do whatever you do mentally while your line is in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially during the competition, like I wanted to catch the biggest fish. Like I wanted <laughs> to me the biggest fish meant that God was with me, that my dad was with me, and that I that I was like being loved. You know, so that's what the big fish was like. That's what it was going to mean to me. Hmm. Uh, but. Yeah, as much as I put my line in the water, I caught nothing substantial. Like you always catch something, but for the competition, I caught nothing substantial. Nothing to help my team 
uh, and it was one of the worst catch days like I've had during the whole time, especially during the competition. And that was um, heartbreaking. I was so frustrated. Mm. So during the okay last ten minutes, like everyone's like, actually quite a few people on my boat are catching pretty substantial fish, and here I am just digging. Like it's shaking my my lure, trying to catch fish. Nothing was coming, um, and so competition was over. Everyone said, like, captain said, lines up. We're like, we're we're out of here. Competition's over, and I felt like I didn't catch anything substantial. I mean, I didn't um, in terms of the competition. And like, here we go. Uh, I was feeling really sorry for myself. Like, does that mean God doesn't love me? Does that mean? My dad isn't with me, you know. And those kind of thoughts were in my head as we were driving back. I was sitting on the front of the boat, um, about. But it just suddenly hit me. This is probably the third and main point: is that I didn't need a fish to be loved. Because if if we all needed big fish to be loved, like everyone would have gotten a big fish. You know, but there'd God, be no God, fish left in the ocean. There'd be no fish left in the ocean. Everyone would hold a, have one of those fish on their wall. <laughs> but the the overwhelming feeling I had was that, like, God, I don't believe in a God that's whose love is conditional. Hmm. So, like, if that, you know, if my effort led to me catching a big fish, I would have felt conditional love, actually. I would have thought, oh, I did a good job. Now I get love. But yeah. I put everything in my effort and what I could do, at least, on the boat, and still caught nothing. But I don't believe in a God that's, you know, not loving. Like I believe in a God that's loving. And so what? It, what? My my thinking evolved into like feeling sorry for myself to immediately feeling like overwhelming sense of joy and love because, like. Almost, almost like flashbacks, like through the whole ocean challenge, like a video, it's like playing in my head from like the beautiful scenery and the experiences and like the laughter and the joy that I was feeling and hearing the you know awesome testimonies, from the, you know the being on the water, the fun and joy of fishing, like it's, it's flooded in me and I just like realized almost really for the first like really for the first time. God's love is like unconditional, it's absolute, and love and beauty is everywhere. And I just like I couldn't stop crying. I like thinking about it now. I, uh, it, I'm stammering because it's so. It was just such an amazing and beautiful experience for me to realize that love is everywhere mm. and beauty is everywhere. And yeah, I just I couldn't help but feel like God was with me. In that moment, mm. that, that my dad was with me in that moment, and actually not even just in that moment, the whole time, the whole time I felt really like God was just, you know, over there in that corner, just like cheering me on or or being really close, <laughs> looking over my shoulder. You know, I that was such an amazing experience for me. Mm. Um, yeah, and that transformed a lot in terms of like how I wanted to see facilitating. How I want you know when I came back home because that was during the quarter and I took a few days off、um, for my group for my group 
um, of course, letting them know beforehand, <laughs> good facilitator moves, but the, uh, <laughs> yeah, it just didn't disappear out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, I, um, through facilitating like afterward and coming back home, I realized that especially with the new, like discovery that love is everywhere. Beauty is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that everything that's like ugly or perverted is just like, it's, it's just skewing what's what God originally intended. It's not a new thing. Um, so especially during my time facilitating after Alaska, I, I really wanted to confront my shame, my own, um, yeah, which actually lie deep in my emotions. Um, so yeah, I realized that my, my handle on emotions, especially like negative ones, I dealt with in the light, like in the, the shadows of shame. I was going to say in the light of shame, but that's make sense. <laughs> so yeah. And in the, in the shadows of shame is where I felt, you know, any negative emotion that I felt, I attributed to shame. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, ashamed of your shame? Ashamed of my shame. <laughs> wow. It's redundant, but it's true. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Um, so whenever I felt like, you know, hormonal or difficult um, or very tempted, like immediately, like the shame would kick in. And the only way for me to handle it, at least in that that moment was through porn masturbation kind of leading me like a self-fulfilling prophecy of like this is you know this is the only way i can handle it um and i realized like that's so wrong so i had confronted that and really dealt with it um and like looking at it from the perspective of like god's viewpoint from the, like a it, you know understanding that everything was intended to be beautiful all these negative emotions, like they're negative, but that doesn't mean they're ugly or shameful. Sure. And it really let me, like allow me to, to like dig deep into myself. Like where, why, why is it that I'm feeling so like angry in this moment, you know? And actually growing from it. Like that's the beauty. It's a, really an opportunity for growth rather than letting it control me. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was a, a huge turning point for me. Yeah. Understanding what lies in the darkness, right? So even shame, we use that term a lot. There's um, mm-hmm. definitely limitations to the English language and to terminology. But there's a lot of ingredients to shame. And unless you really understand it and how it impacts you and why you would allow yourself to believe in it requires that's the work right becoming familiar with your enemy um and so one last point is that i I wanted to bring up was about the uh i invited you to do a workshop and you accepted i think uh wholeheartedly (laughs) i don't know if you're just good at masking your fear or doubts or whatever but it seemed like you were just a strong yes and then in preparation for that he gave a lot of talks it was a is a high school middle school workshop in the midwest camp 
Ogape? Agape? Agape? Kogape. So many gapes. And uh, what did that bring out? I mean, after, after this whole big journey, then most recently, because this is just a few weeks ago, right? Um, after all this, you know, you were asked to do something you've never done before, which is be alone, representing High Noon for a significant portion of time, talking about stuff that went from nice ideas and theories to something you just lived through. So how was that for you? Yeah, it was very good for me. Um, yeah, when you asked me, I, I can confirm to you it was an absolute yes. Like I, I felt so honored to mm-hmm. represent Hainu, um for all that Hainun has shown me and, and led me through. Um, like, yeah, it was a absolute yes. Um, very exciting too, because I, I'm not shy to like talk in front of people. I mean, I, I get nervous before the talk, sure, but like I, I recognize that I have some ability to speak, and yeah, uh, giving it like these talks for middle school and middle schoolers and high schoolers, it was quite an experience for me because, um, for one, is the preparation beforehand. Um, yeah, so. Like from the time of like you asking me to receiving content was quite a, a big a big gap in terms of like being clear with what exactly is happening at the workshop, you know the schedule and the amount of time we have and yeah, knowing like what yeah. the content. Um, yeah. So because it was a big gap, like it was just kind of a little bit of waiting around and talking to the Kogake Kogape staff. Um, mm. And you know, having them be pretty clear with like how much time they can give us, and um, yeah. So, and then from receiving the content to preparing for the workshop, like it happened very quickly. I still remember the text you sent me. Like, there's like uh, one week after you sent me the content. Actually, that had been a very busy week for me in terms of like a lot going on, and I had a little bit of time, but not so much to look through the content at that point. And you sent me a text and it's like, there's two ways to think about this. And it's one way is, you know, you have a lot of time and time's blocked. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so true. Like I, you know, like now that I, I got everything out of the way, like I, I wanted to invest as much as I could. Um, and yeah, I think there is a, a, a little bit of fear in not being able to convey well or in a way that is understandable for like really young people. I mean, you know, like only recently I've I've been able to re- realize and understand like the, the, the principles and the virtues and the points that go along with them and for high noon and applying to parents' teachings especially. Um, yeah. Mm. But yeah, in terms of preparing, it was really Nailing down the points as much as possible and mm. simplifying it as well to set a foundation for, and especially not just for the middle schoolers and high schoolers, but for the staff too, for everybody there. I wasn't just speaking to 
like the, the participants. I wanted to speak to everybody. Yeah. Um, sure. So, yeah, I mean, three. It was a three-hour like segment of talks, and you know, it's a pretty long time. And with the discussions and all the all those things, it it keeps it fresh. But definitely wanted to snap through each point. Um, to yeah, but I feel like that like what it meant to me was just the culmination of everything. Like it was at the end of 2023. I had been through so much this past year uh, and the years before that. And I felt like everything was just coming down to this one point of like sharing it with other people with you know the, the level that I'm at. Like, I can't give it at a higher level than where I'm at. Um, mm. And I wanted, yeah, to like show them that it feels so much better in the long term to feel free in high noon rather than shackled by emotions mm. in terms of just like yeah i feel this way so i'm gonna do this versus i feel <laughs> this way i want to feel that way so i'm gonna do that yeah. so yeah, well what i going. see is like you having gone through this together with in the high noon way doing it in an honest, sincere way, working together through your emotions with people in your life, rather than trying to just figure it out all by yourself, makes you a much more qualified speaker um, because it allows your words to have a lot more potency, right? And I think it's such a great testament to the amount of work that you put in that not only are you willing to speak on our behalf after all this, but do uh, being excited about it and doing a great job um, in representing High Noon because now High Noon is not it, it's left theory and it's even left just sexual integrity. It is kind of infiltrated many facets of your life, if not all of them, to where you can stand up in front of a group of people and say, "Here I stand. This is I'm a High Noon man." Right. I do have to end here for time uh, because I got, I, I'm just a busy guy, Seiji. You know, I, I don't think you understand this. I'm a super important busy guy. Um, but I want to also leave room for a dan, 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 because even after all this, imagine that there were tears that you were talking about of the stages of growth that you went through in the past few years. Now, if you could see all this as one meta tier, and then there's many stages because you are now entering the time of your life when you're making space for another person. And then when you form a couple, then you make space for other people to exist, AKA children and all this. So that's really life phases. Um, you're doing such good work in terms of first blessing, single, um, which is such a strong foundation to actually enjoy the blessing after this and enjoy parenthood and take that promise that you made to your dad, which is ult ultimately, so I'm getting some feedback here. Um, I'm not sure what that is. It's to take that promise that you made to your dad and fulfill it in that, I don't know if you noticed this, but the work that you said that he did 
to kind of change your lineage by stopping the the tradition of abuse, physical abuse, and how he managed to kind of swallow it and transmute it into something else for you guys. You're just doing the same thing. You're you're he passed the baton to you and you felt really very responsible for it and now you're doing the same thing and that's this is evidence of it you know the fact that you went through all this in such a way is i'm absolutely positive made him so proud and is such an honor to his legacy you know to become hainun seiji is it's badass man so yeah thank you for opening up so much and uh Yeah, are you okay with people if they reach out to you and they have questions? I mean, yeah, sure. Can they Facebook. find you online yeah. Facebook? Okay, cool. Yeah, not so much Instagram, but Facebook. Uh or yeah, Facebook Messenger. <laughs> Email. @dgl@gmail.com. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you for sharing, man. Thank you for opening up. If anybody has any questions, please let the man know. Say goodbye, Seiji. Goodbye. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's an honor to know you. Adios. Hey, did you know that our team wants to do more events? Well, if you want to bring the high noon message to your community or group, then let us know and we'll try to work something out. There's a simple application that you can fill out right now at highnoon.org/invite and one of our team members will get back to you to see what's possible. That's highnoon.org/invite. All right, see you in the next episode.